You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. Well, hey, Gospel Hope, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Reconciling Hope Podcast. As you know, Pastor Ryan and I um, have been uh, committed to for quite some time just using this platform to do some additional distilling of certain points and ideas from the message. And hopefully this has been very helpful to you in processing and applying God's word. Um, Today, as you know, or at least this past Sunday, we opened up a brand new series entitled Exiles, where we're looking at the life of Daniel. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the kind of very first uh, installation of messages from that series uh, preached uh, by your very own Ryan McCammick. I don't know if on your screen he is at the bottom of the but that's him, uh, the guy waving. Well, hey, good morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Good, man. I'm good. I'm good. So, so hey, um, awesome message yesterday. You uh, just kind of in this whole exile series, you, you open with this idea of, you know, God's call for us to live faithfully in a fallen world. And you outlay, you laid out several principles around that. And uh, one of the things that you started out by saying is that we as God's people have a responsibility to speak to earthly issues, but with a heavenly accent. And I'm just wondering if you could kind of like just go a little bit further with that. Tell us a little bit more about how that would look or what it would look like kind of in light of some some of today's unique circumstances. Yeah, I, I think the the analogy, what I was trying to get at there is that we as believers, as Jesus say, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so what that means is if we're a follower of Jesus in our culture today, we need to be fluent in the language of our culture. We need to understand what's going on and be able to speak that language. And yet the way that we speak into issues will be a little out of cadence with the rest of the world. But in, in other words, people should say about the, us, well, you're not from around here, are you? Right. And I think that's what I'm driving at there is really as believers engage with the cultural issues, which we certainly should, shouldn't mm-hmm. just go you know, live in a convent or hide under a shell or just try to do the holy huddle as it were. We should engage with issues, but it should be clear that as Philippians says, your citizenship is in heaven. And mm-hmm. so that means our values will be slightly out of step with the world's oftentimes, or sometimes radically out of step. Our our way of thinking will approach issues differently, just like Daniel and his friends in the text. They mm-hmm. approached issues differently than the folks in Babylon. Um, even our behavior um, will, will look differently than the world around us. We shouldn't strive to be different just mm-hmm. for different sake. But we should strive to be different because ultimately we're exiles living in a kingdom that's not our home. Yeah, yeah. When you were unpacking that, I couldn't help but think about the old adage, which which doesn't live in the tension that we naturally have, which is uh, to be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. That's mm-hmm. not what you're talking about when you right. say, when you say speak to earthly issues with with a heavenly accent. Like we should be engaged, but for the sake of the kingdom, and don't. Uh, ignore that tension that, yeah, we do feel out of sorts and out of way and living in a convent or in a monastery somewhere is not the, uh, is not the solution. So that's right. 
No, yeah. no, good stuff, good stuff. So in the message, you not only made that statement that we ought to be believers who are, or people who are called to speak to earthly issues with a heavenly accent, you also kind of unpacked kind of three real major underpinnings of the message of what we should look like. And if I get them right, they are, um, we should have a, a resolve, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a certain resolve that we should also um, move with a certain um, regard. And then we should also rest. Mm -hmm. So as you kind of talk about, you know, having a resolve, having a certain amount of regard and, and obviously operate with a certain level of rest as a part of our faithfulness in a fallen world. Do you feel like any one of those is um, uh, more important than the other, more difficult to achieve than the other? Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of speak to those those three. Yeah, I didn't outline it as such in the message, like super explicitly. But mm -hmm. the idea that I was thinking there was um, those are somewhat of a progression. Okay. Um, so, you know, we read through the story of Daniel and basically it started with resolve. Um, Daniel purposed in his heart or Daniel determined or some translations actually use that word. Daniel resolved, resolved yeah. not to defile himself with the king's meat. And um, I think that's critical and it has just vast implications um, if you're a follower of Christ, you have to say, my highest ambition is to please the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you do that, it has all kinds of implications for your life. So it starts with that. And then regard, um, the idea that I was talking about is even when we make these decisions, we can't just be bulls in a China shop and really please Jesus. Like Jesus confronted the woman at the well for sure. Mm -hmm. but he was the person who graciously engaged her when nobody else would talk to her. So uh, there's this balance of saying, man, I stand for truth. I stand for God's principles, but I do so in such a way that is thinking about my neighbor. And then once we do that, we have to leave the results in God's hands. Um, so I think it just kind of depends where you're at, which one's most challenging for you. For me, I would say that's that third one that really is difficult, like rest. Yeah. Um, you know, Rod, you know me. I, I, as you say, I like to be doing things like that's just kind of my M.O. And um, yeah, COVID so hard you and not the disease. It, right, right, right. That's right. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, so sometimes it's hard for me to just let God be God. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think in my heart, I'm like, yeah, I want to please the Lord. Two is I want to be compassionate around people mm -hmm. around me. And then three, it's kind of like, um, but I don't like to rest very much. I like to. Uh, keep my hand on the steering wheel and, uh, you know, not let Jesus take the wheel. Bad pun, yeah. but you, 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 you see what I'm saying there. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on your particular flesh, Ben. Yeah. Are you a person that really has to make a decision in your heart? You know what? I'm all in for Jesus. I'm, yeah. I'm pleasing God with every area of my life. Are you a person that, you know, that struggles to be kind to other people particularly people that you disagree with, then you really need to have regard for others. Are you a person that struggles with control issues like me? Uh, mm -hmm. Then you really need to wrestle with this issue of rest. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's a good, that's a good word. I, something, one of the points that's popping up in my brain now that I can't, uh, I don't know why, but I'll just share it. it. It was that kind of that equation, which was, you know, our business is pretty much, it was it invest or excuse me, it's obedience and let the Lord, uh, handle the outcomes or yeah. I think it was our commitment to obedience is greater than some kind of commitment to produce a certain outcome because that's God's mm -hmm. business. Right. 
Um, right. So we are such a, I think it's part of our cultural predisposition as Americans or members of the West, like mm -hmm. our part of our brand is built on ingenuity and execution and getting things done. So yeah, regardless of color, if you are born in America, you have been inundated from your childhood with this idea that getting it done is the highest virtue of the day and producing certain yeah. outcomes or else you're not successful. Mm -hmm. um, like I even remember being told very candidly in the marketplace, like you, we don't pay you for effort. We pay you for output. <laughs> right, right. You know, so who cares how many calls you made? Did you close any deals? You know, mm -hmm. who cares, you know, uh, you know, so so energy doesn't mean anything. You know, fly right. sky miles. I was like, that's pretty for your family, but it doesn't mean anything for us as a company. Who cares who flew the most? Mm -hmm. How many client issues did you solve and how much revenue did you bring to the So so we are an outcomes oriented society and it mm -hmm. sounds like it trickles all the way into our faith. Um, that's right. That's um, right. So yeah, so it's definitely resting and trusting God with the outcomes. It's definitely, I think, one of our great challenges. So, uh, or maybe, and hey, maybe I'm 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 baptizing the world into my little my right. Um, right. Uh, so I no, I I think that's a common issue for sure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. So uh. So hey, next question. You 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 talked about um. I don't know if this came under the regard or the or the resolve of. Uh, uh, portion, but you talked about maintaining this tension between conviction and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, when you said that, I couldn't help but think about where we are now as a church, as the church has tried to engage in this issue, we're mm -hmm. finding ourselves, I find myself in conversations where either folks are either being accused of being a racist, uh, a Marxist, uh, a white supremacist, mm -hmm. um, you know, an Uncle Thomas, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, you know, whatever the, the case may be, an anarchist, right? Like right. We all of these ists that we right. put each other in um, that seems like our commitment to conviction, at least when we're duly convicted about. But was there a particular cultural <laughs> moment? That was my cultural moment. I'm thinking about the tensions that I'm having with whether it be brothers in Christ who want to, uh, you know, Marxist, anarchist, racist, white supremacist, whatever, or whether it's people outside the body of Christ. Was there a particular cultural moment that you were thinking of when you thought about that balance between conviction and compassion? Yeah, I wasn't thinking about one. I was thinking about that whole litany that you just list of, Thanks. you know, it, it seems to me in our really polarized, politicized cultural moment that people are are trying to cram like it's it's almost like they're putting our culture is putting these two options on the table you can either be a person of conviction that really holds to your beliefs firmly or you can be a person of compassion uh, or i should say a person of conviction that believes in um absolute truth um, mm -hmm. or you can be a person of compassion who really cares about other people's feelings and and there you can you can be either or Mm -hmm. And it seems like even the people of God, society as a whole is trying to cram them into one of those categories. Mm -hmm. And I think what the Bible calls us to be is like, no, we, <laughs> we cannot be binary. Um, mm -hmm. We have to hold both of these ideas in tension, like a tightrope. There's got to be tension on both sides of the line and saying like, just like our savior was a person of grace and truth. 
So believers have to be people of conviction and capital A and D compassion. Um, we can't like we can't really follow our Savior and be one or the other. We 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 haven't been given that option if we're to be true disciples of Jesus. So I think that's what I'm thinking of. Like I feel this tension all the time where people on the right are saying, if you're really a believer, you need to think this way. And my response to them is like, um, yes and no. And then people on the left are saying, man, if you're a believer, you got to think this way. And and my response to them in my heart is like, yes and no. I, I just feel like that's the tension that we as believers have to live in. We're exiles. Mm-hmm. We're never going to feel fully at home um, in in this world or even in our kind of political divisiveness right now. We have to be people of conviction and compassion. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you did a lot of work. I think you probably showed, was it seven examples of where Christ modeled both conviction and compassion? Because without that example, the temptation might be to hear what you just said and go, oh, well, you're just a person of compromise. That's what letter C you operate in. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't have any clarity on where mm-hmm. you are. You're trying to play Switzerland and be everybody's friend. But no, Jesus was very definitive. And you showed all those examples of where he could he could, he could, could do both and not be a person of compromise. It was absolute right. clarity on where, there was absolute clarity on where Jesus stood on right. the that he addressed. Well, and I love John's, you know, John introduces Jesus in his gospel. Like, mm-hmm. He and then came Jesus, full of grace and mm-hmm. truth. Like he's full of both of those things. So again, I think if we're embodying the character of Christ, we have to be marked. Like they should look at Gospel Hope Church and look at individual members, the world, and and our friends. You know, believing friends should look at us and be like, man, there's a person of who really cares about biblical truth. They really care about that. But at the same time, they're a person that really cares about extending grace to hurting, marginalized, broken people. I, man, it's a tension we have to manage in our hearts all the time. But that—that that is the path of following Jesus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, hey, obviously, as a church, you know, we talk about our mission being making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. And when we talk about those three with this whole, we, we've got the whole arrow diagrams that speak yeah. to um, was there a particular aspect of the mission that you felt was highlighted mostly by this message? Yeah, my focus, and I think of this whole series, is going to be really outward facing in terms of our engagement with the world. Because, you know, kind of the idea is we're exiles living mm-hmm. faithfully in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And so Daniel and his friends had to determine how they would engage with. Um, Nebuchadnezzar and his very barbaric, fallen, pagan regime. And they did it with grace, um, mm-hmm. gritty grace, as we talked about in the message, that they they stepped into the messiness and still honor God in the midst of it. So uh, it's possible. That's what I want hear people to hear from this series. Yeah. Because I think in our, again, we're approaching elections. And I, I think a lot of Christians feel disheartened. Like, Mm-hmm. I can't do this. Yeah. How can we possibly live as a believer in this? It, it seems like everybody's at one another's throat. It feels so difficult to live faithfully. Yeah. But I think Daniel encourages us that even though these young men, very young men, um, faced all kinds of trauma and opposition, they they honored the Lord 
in this in Babylon. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's awesome. I not to spill any wine before it's time because I'm I'm prepping for Sunday, and yeah. I'm reading how Daniel now in chapter two. Like I'm 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 blown away by you know you, you painted this picture like Nebuchadnezzar and what he has done to them as young men and to their country is yeah. pleasing. Mm-hmm. But when he talks to Nebuchadnezzar, he he goes to him and he goes like, "Hey, you know, you owe king." Just show yeah. this regard. This is very early in chapter two. We'll we'll unpack it in detail, you know, on Sunday. But uh, I, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm noticing right that fragrance of how he's operating with regard, and you know, Nebuchadnezzar needs him. And, right. You know what I mean? In this moment, like this is purely a moment where if you want to thumb your suspenders or you know whatever part of the country you're from, you know whatever you do, you know beat your chest or I don't know, be snarky. No, he's legitimately being regardful, you know, regarding. He's regarding the man's position. He is appealing to him and respecting him, even though he is a heinous character and responsible right. for much, um, uh, m- many, many just destructive uh, practices and decimation of culture, um, things that, um, uh, you know, we, we don't know nearly the likes of in America, not today. Mm-hmm. Um um, and and Daniel still finds room to show regard. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a fragrance that's throughout the book, and it's uh, it's amazing. And um, yeah, yeah. So so again, not to go too far on that because then we won't have anything to preach. Right. Um, so, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but hey, move, move, moving on here. You know, uh, so where for you or where for us should we clearly or did we clearly see? the reconciling hope of the gospel. Because honestly, if this was a contemporary situation, this looks pretty ugly and hopeless. Right, right. I, I think it's not something that I talked about a lot in the message, but the idea is the passage talks about Daniel regarding mm-hmm. in his heart or purposing in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. But then he immediately turns around and he goes and talks to his three friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their their Babylonian names. And this shared um, vision for pleasing God united these brothers. And we'll see that throughout the the book. So I think it just reminds us that when we are reconciled to God, we link arms with Mm -hmm. other people who are also reconciled to God. And it's just precious. Like, man, just think about it for a minute. Here's these young men, you know, I, I speculated maybe around 14 years old. They're young. Um, they get taken from their homeland, separated from their parents, uh, potentially emasculated, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a nasty scenario. Um, and yet here they have these friends that are committed to the Lord. And throughout the book, they're just hanging together, you know helping one another live faithfully in the fallen world. And I think it's a reminder of how much we need one another in the church. Uh, we need fellow exiles to help us walk this journey well. Amen. Amen. So, well, hey, that's it. That's all the questions that I have uh, for for this uh, for today's message or, or Sunday's message. Um, well, thank you for uh, just kind of sharing, studying diligently and unpacking that for us. Uh, again, I haven't done all of the excavations that I need to do yet, but I'm I'm excited just kind of based on that initial message uh, on what the Lord will continue to say to us as a church. And I, I'm just grateful to God for 
a series like this in light of where we are headed culturally, like I'm excited um, at the sheer fact, uh, well, I'm grateful to God and excited about what he's about to say, right? Mm -hmm. What grace and truth equipment are we gonna get and how the church is gonna be allowed to, to really step up to the plate and, uh, and take some real hacks at, uh, at what's going on for the sake of the gospel. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah I believe Daniel teaches us that we can live yeah. faithfully in a fallen world. So I, I, I too share your enthusiasm and, and believe that the Lord is hopefully gonna use Gospel Hope Church and many of our gospel loving, gospel preaching churches in our nation in this divisive time to be a beacon of, of light and hope. Amen, amen. Well, hey, Gospel family, that's all we have um, for today. Um, stay tuned in. Also, if you didn't get a chance to listen to this message, you can either watch it online or you can go and listen to the podcast if you're just if you're driving or doing your thing. Um, but uh, I would deeply encourage you if you haven't got caught up to go ahead and do that, especially in preparation for a community group uh, this week. Uh, for those of you that are, will be meeting throughout the week, um, we got some great talking points. So, uh, amen, and have a great one. Thanks, Rod. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.